Today's scripture is in Matthew 10. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Good morning, church. Wow. Glad that you guys are here. If you've got your Bibles, please open them up to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to start off with a question. For those of you who are boomers here, when you're in the meat market or the grocery store and you happen to see that label, do you ever have it trigger in your mind, oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener? That is what I, no? Yeah, all right, all right, thanks. Well, and when you drive by one of these, do you ever remember this? Two all beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Come on, everybody. No, I'm just joking. But, but sometimes when you see signs, for me, it triggers jingles. It just does. Well, we happen to live in an age that doesn't think too much of jingles, but they do think a lot of slogans. So when you see this little swoosh, here's what Nike hopes that you remember. Yeah, just do it. And when you see this sign, did you know what Walmart's slogan is? Save money, live better. All right? But here's probably all of our favorite. When you see this little guy, they keep going and going and going. That's exactly right. That's what the Energizer company hopes that you think about their batteries. Not so much about the rabbit, but they use the rabbit to, to put something in our minds that's a trigger, that triggers a thought that hopefully will get us to buy their batteries. Well, um, God has given us scripture, and he hopes that there are, are certain things that happen in our lives that also create triggers. Maybe one like... Um, Sometimes I think of whenever I see one of our incredible Texas sunsets, here's what trigger comes to my mind. This is a day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Sometimes when I witness a brother or sister experience something in their life that is just tragic, and I mean has disaster written all over it, here's one of the triggers that comes to my mind. I know it does yours too. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. As tragic as this may seem, as awful as this may appear right now for the moment, we serve a God, and I love how this was led into this morning by our song leader. Victor did a great job this morning, amen? But he started us all off by saying, whatever troubles you brought in here today, our God's bigger than those. And sometimes when we're easiest to forget that is when we're right in the middle of a terrible tragedy. So God has these triggers for us in the Bible that he hopes that we remember. Here's one that I remember whenever sometimes I um, have had too much coffee and not enough breath mint. I kiss my wife and her face goes all sharpe puppy. You know what I mean? Kind of like this. Here's the verse that I get. My breath is strange to my wife, Job 19, 17. That actually is in the Bible. <laughs> That's why you should read it more. You find gems like that. One of the scriptures that I often get triggered in my mind almost on a daily basis, though, is this one. Man makes his plans, but it's God who directs his steps. That one trigger for you, too? Well, it's, 
It's what's triggered this series, <laughs> I promise you. It's a series that I'm calling Filler Up. And it was a series of lessons that I intended to be just one lesson. It launched us into this brand new year, 2017, and all it was really was a personal challenge that I offered to you because of a personal goal that I had for myself. That like Mary, that we had just often talked a lot about in that Christmas season, who prepared room for Jesus to come inside her, I wanted in 2017 for, for him to have more room to come inside me to grow inside me, to move inside me, to operate inside me. And so I ask you, would you want to be a part of that same challenge? And it, it went from one lesson to now lesson number five, actually the second part of lesson number four, truth be told. That wasn't my plan. It really, really wasn't. My plan was that three weeks ago, we would have started a new series called Home Depot to help us examine one of the most powerful tools that God has given us to lead ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with His Son, Jesus. And that's our homes. Now, my aim is in two weeks to launch that series. Well, we'll see what God has to do with those plans. But what I'm interpreting has been His audible to this series is this. Before I could talk about how we fill the homes we live in, we needed to talk about how to fill the home he lives in. Here's what Paul says to a church very much like us. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? Now, I don't know about you, but every now and then that sounds so outrageous. I just need to be reminded where God's home is now, this time, this place. It's not in a building called the temple. It's in this body called the temple, right? So what I want you to do is, those of you who are Christ followers, put your hand over the front door of, your, of God's home. Yeah, thanks. You can take them down there. Daisy last week... Welcome Jesus into her home. It was amazing. And he, she did so because God commanded her to be baptized. And she was being obedient to that command. And you know what? Many of you in this room have been obedient to that command as well. Now, because you were obedient just like she was, here's what the scripture promises. You had every sin in your life, both past and future, absolutely washed away because we believe that if we share in a death like his, we will be raised to walk in newness of life just like him, right? All right. Daisy did too. She believed that when she went into that water, she was going to be forgiven by God. She trusted him with that. But she also believed she was going to be filled by God. That his spirit would come in and take a presence. As much as an eight-year-old could understand that, she's trusting that. And you know what? She's trying right now because of this series of lessons and because, really, Ephesians 5.18. To also obey a second command that God's given her. Not to just be baptized and that he would give her the gift of the spirit, but to be filled with his spirit. And she's doing it at the early age of eight years old. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of envious of her. Because at such an early age, she's already doing her best to keep all the junk out of her life that she can, that we can accumulate, that, that kind of makes it cramped for God to work in our lives. Places we would just soon him not get into, if you know what I mean. 
She's working at the age of eight years old to keep her life open and operatable. Is that a word? Operable? No, that's really kind of the stuff that you do with your hands and blood and stuff. Well, that kind of might mean, never mind. She's trying to give him room to operate at an age of eight years old, and I'm excited about that. I'm curious to see what this young lady especially will be like because she's given God room at such an early age. And here's what God promises. We looked at this last week. That if we will allow him to fill us up, if we will allow him like that glass is being filled with water, to literally alleviate the stuff in us that's us and replace it with the stuff that's him, he said that the spirit of truth will help us hear the truth. The spirit of truth will help us hear the truth. How do we do that? Or how will he do that? Three ways. And I'm not going to put all these up there because you remember most of them, right? <laughs> He's going to help us hear the truth by discerning the scriptures. If you've not taken the time in this series to read 1 Corinthians 2 and verses 10 through 14, make time this week, please. Because there is a challenging piece of scripture that says you're not going to get this book and the truths that God wants to teach you in it unless you have his spirit living within you, teaching you those truths. Don't take my word on it, take his. But he says, if we will welcome the spirit of truth to fill us, he'll help us discern the truth. Secondly, he'll help us detect untruths. I can't imagine that, but it's amazing. God says, I will give you your own internal truth detector, your own truth, your own internal lie detector. I need that. Because as we sang this morning, we're in a battle every single day with this enemy that wants to convince me of lies. He has his own triggers, doesn't he? That when he puts them in front of me in my life, it triggers not just simply some songs or some thoughts, some actions. And so God says, I want to help you beware and know when those triggers are coming, when those lies are being told. And then the last thing we looked at last week was this. Not only will he help us discern the scriptures and detect untruths, but he'll help us hear the truth and determine next steps. I guarantee you somebody walked in here, at least one, who's got some direction or some set of circumstances. You're not quite sure of which way to go or to turn or to do this week. Well, take heart because God says his Holy Spirit, if you'll ask him, and if you'll wait on his answer, will help you find those answers. He's promised us that if I will offer him my plans, Proverbs 16, 9, he'll direct my steps. Now, having said that, what father in the world, when he hears this child say, all right, not my will, not, not what I want to do, but, but, but your will, Lord, your father, your, your desires, let's, let's, let's be after that. Let's get on those. What father in the world wouldn't just jump at that? And some of you in this room could say, well, I can tell you a few who just wouldn't care. They could care less what I thought as a child. Well, that's not the father we serve. We serve a good, good father. It's not just a great song that's kind of filled the charts lately of the Christian, Christian world. It's a, it's a great truth. We have a good, good father, and he couldn't care more than for someone to come into his presence and say, your will as it's done on earth in my life, let me be the beachhead as it's done in heaven. Wow. As a matter of fact, we're going to see in a little bit later in Luke 11, verse 13, he says, I promise you, I will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. 
Now, that's where we went last week. The Spirit of truth is going to help us here, but I want us to see this week, He will also help us, listen to me, speak. Here's what He says in John. When the Advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Now, that's where we're headed this week. Let's pray about that before we go any further, all right? Father, we love you, and we thank you for being willing to fill us up. It's a stunning thing to think that you would. We know us too well. We know how easily we can be filled with other things, but we we invite you. We're inviting you now. Would you please let this be a place where you filled up a group of believers to be everything that you wanted us to be? Now, we know we're not the only ones praying those prayers. The Salvation Army Church, they're looking to be filled as well. So we, we make them a part of this prayer. Please, God, those brothers and sisters that are meeting there and all over this county, all over this state, all over this country, all over this globe, would you fill your church, please, with your Holy Spirit? We ask this humbly in Jesus' name and everyone said. The Spirit of Truth is going to help me hear the truth, but here's what's exciting to me, and I couldn't wait to tell you about it this week. The Spirit of Truth wants to help you speak the truth. That wasn't intended. Too excited. He's going to help you speak the truth. Here's what I really wanted to tell you. In Acts chapter 2, Dr. Luke is writing to a buddy of his. He wants to know about Jesus. His name's Theophilus, remember? This is his second letter to him. It's a follow-up letter. He wrote a gospel that was strictly story of Jesus. But now he's writing this letter about this church that was launched by Jesus. And here's what's amazing about that. In the very beginning chapter, he says, Theophilus, you're not going to believe this, but after having spent over a month and a half with a resurrected, resurrected Lord, that still wasn't enough for the disciples to be able to go out and tell the world this story about Jesus' life. No, Jesus says, I want you to go into Jerusalem and there you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So they went. And so they waited a couple of days. Longer than probably they wanted. And they were preparing him room as we've talked about doing that, giving him thanks Asking him, seeking him, and the day of Pentecost comes. It's amazing to me that we celebrate Bethlehem when he came to be with us. We celebrate the cross where he died for us. But it's rare for any church to celebrate Pentecost where he came to be in us. Why is it that that has become kind of a lesser major event in the history of the church? Because what happened when Pentecost happened was the Holy Spirit was poured out on all of humanity. Remember what John promised? I baptize you with water, but once coming, he's going to baptize you, I'm telling you, with the Holy Spirit. And he does that on the day of Pentecost. He absolutely pours out his Spirit and makes him available to all of humanity who seek him now we're not talking about being baptized in the spirit that happened once that happened when the spirit was poured out on all of humanity what we're talking about is being filled there's been one baptism but listen to me there are many fillings 
many fillings. And we're going to see that a little bit more this afternoon, this morning. Because God has, has kept his word. I'm going to baptize the world in this Holy Spirit. And those who want to tap into it, those who choose to be filled with him can be. And those who don't, won't. So just as he had promised, the Spirit's poured out. And what's amazing is nobody, nobody's expecting this little group, this little small cluster of people to launch a worldwide campaign. No assets, no political power, limited education, limited experience. And this little motley crew, this little bunch of ragamuffins, Launches a movement that's still changing the world today. You wouldn't be sitting in these seats if there hadn't been a Pentecost. You wouldn't. The Spirit falls, Luke writes to Theophilus, and a crowd gathers, and they want to know what in the world is going on with these guys. And they assume, first part of Ephesians 5, that the disciples are drunk. No. It's not what they're filled with it's who they're filled with and they start to proclaim with listen to me unnatural boldness and unnatural clarity what they had just witnessed in the life of Christ and for one reason because they had supernatural help now go back to Matthew chapter 10 where I turned some of you a while ago here's a promise Jesus made earlier to the disciples when when he anticipated they might have a little bit of concern about what they might say on behalf of Christ. Here's what he says. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. I don't know how much comfort that gave them any more than I know how much comfort it gives you. But church, it is critical to understand. Jesus sent us the Spirit not to just help us walk like His Son. He sent the Spirit to help us talk about His Son. Now this is huge. Because it's a huge point of the Scriptures. The Gospel needs words. Yes. Not just actions. Now I know the next series of sentences that I'm going to put together may come at great risk to misunderstanding me, so please, I'm going to say this right up front. Would you please just hear my heart before you hear my words? I want us to be a church that takes aim at injustice in the world. I want us to be a church that feeds the hungry and works to build homes and schools for those that don't have them, clean drinking water for those who don't enjoy that, hospitals for those who would never even think about getting to go to one, I want us to do good works that absolutely glorify our Father in heaven. But we have adopted an approach to life that thinks if we're just good examples, the world will understand the gospel. And i got to tell you, I don't believe that. And I don't think this book teaches that. Yes, the gospel always has to be validated by a human life, but it's got to be communicated with your mouth. It has to be. The gospel has to be taught as well as, or to be, caught. So let me give an example. You've got a neighbor and you decide that you're going to be a good neighbor. And when he breaks his leg, you go mow his yard. 
And when his wife is sick, you carry food over. And when he gets cancer, you go to see him in the hospital, and then he dies. What gospel did you impress upon your neighbor? Without telling him about Jesus, you've just preached a gospel that is very popular in America today. And it's this. If you'll just be nice, not too ugly, not too mean, God will save you because God saves good people, right? Wrong. Kindness does not wash away a single sin. Only blood can. What your neighbor needs is, yes, for you to love him like Jesus, but here's what your neighbor also needs, is for you to know how to tell him about who Jesus is, about why he came, and about how they can respond to this incredible gift God's put in their laps. The Spirit promises, I'll help you with that. Now, if you leave here today and don't get that message, I've missed it. The Spirit will help me hear the truth. But listen to me, church. He's going to help us speak the truth. He will. Now, it's my opinion, just mine, that much of the evangelistic apathy of our generation is connected to the sad and inevitable consequence of most of us not having an intimate relationship with His Spirit. Many of you have studied and read about the sinking of the Titanic in 1912. When the iceberg gashed the hull of an unsinkable ship, the ship sent out distress signals. And the closest ship in the area was the SS California. It was about an hour and a half away. And had they responded to the distress calls immediately, they would have reached the Titanic before she went down. But you know what? She never showed up. And so there was a congressional hearing, and Senator William Smith of Michigan asked the captain of the SS California, why? Why didn't you respond to the distress signal? And he responded, we were afraid of small children. <laughs> that just says that there's a lot of life in this church. No, what he responded was this. We were afraid of icebergs. And so we shut off our fires and we had no power. Now, I don't know how that strikes you, but is that sad or what? They were useless for those who were dying because there was no fire in those already saved. Without that, there was no power to rescue those who were lost. Brother, when the church quenches the fire of the Holy Spirit, she has no power to save. She doesn't. But when we live in step with Him, when we are filled with Him, His passions become our passions, His mission becomes our missions, and His words, listen to me, become your words. Don't take my word on that. You've got to listen to His. You can't study the life of Jesus and not see that the Holy Spirit is passionate about lifting up Christ, and He will help all those who desire to, to do such. The Holy Spirit is the most seeker-sensitive person in the entire New Testament. And what you're going to notice when you read the book of Acts is, if you're looking, anytime somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing that they do is point people to Jesus. In Acts 2, they're filled with the Spirit and begin to speak to the people about Jesus. 
In Acts chapter 3 and, verse, and, and chapter 4, Peter and John are on their way to the temple. And they encounter a guy who's lame. And they heal him. And they gather a crowd just like often happens when something amazing happens. And they start talking to that crowd about Jesus and the religious authorities are having a fit about it. So they haul him in, put him before the council, and they tell him not to ever speak about Jesus again. But Peter says this, how can we not? Jesus is the only name among men by which men can be saved. Jesus is the only name among men by which men can be saved. But you know what was written by Luke just before he said those words? And Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. Later in the chapter, the disciples are sent home and told not to talk about Jesus anymore. And so they gather together in community groups like we're going to today. And they ask God for boldness and the room shakes. And they are, Luke says, there's that wording, filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did that lead to? The next words are, and they spoke the word boldly. My last example comes from Acts chapter 7. Stephen is preaching a powerful sermon about Christ. And the religious authorities are absolutely having a fit about it. Until Stephen crosses a line. And they go from just being upset to willing to kill a man. Why? Luke records because Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit and he says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And at those words, this man who was full of the Holy Spirit is stoned to death by men who are full of themselves. The Holy Spirit has one agenda. The exaltation of Jesus Christ and the connection of Jesus Christ to those who don't know Him yet. And He's looking for those who are so overwhelmed by the gift that He offers that they want to become equipped to be able to share that same gift with those who don't have it yet. The Holy Spirit was not given to Jimmy Sportsman for His agenda. And he's not given to you for your agenda. Even though he promises, if you welcome me, I will come to you. I will strengthen you. I will comfort you. I will fill you. I will empower you. I will enable you. I will direct you. But all for the cause of Jesus Christ. That you might help him seek and save those that are lost. To do that, I don't know about you, but I need help. I can do this a whole lot easier than I can talk to someone one-on-one -on -one, and it comes to that point in the conversation where I'm being nudged to tell them about what Christ has meant in my life and what he could mean to theirs. I'm telling you, you may not believe that, but it is the truth as, much, as well as the sun came up today and will go down today most likely. It is that difficult for me to do and I can't do it unless I have supernatural help. I can't. And you know what? Neither can you. Neither can you. But the Holy Spirit was given us because he wants to help us walk like Jesus, but also to talk for Jesus. And he wants to give us the courage to speak the truth in situations that have lies written all over them. And I'm going to say this like I said at the very beginning of this series. This isn't easy because this is a relationship that's rather complicated. But I don't know about you, I don't have a relationship in my life that isn't complicated. 
But I would put this one in the top three. Having a, a relationship with this presence of God in my life? Wow. That's not easy to wrap your brain around and your heart around and your life around. And God knew that. He knew it. And so he's going to say to you what he said to his disciples. So I tell you, you continue to ask, all right? And God will give to you. You continue to search and you will find. You continue to knock and the door will be opened. Yes, whoever continues to ask will receive. Whoever continues to look will find. And whoever continues to knock will have this door open for them. Do any of you have a son? A lot of you in this room would say yes. Well, what would you do if your son asked for a fish? Would any father give him a snake? No. Or if he asked for an egg, would he give him a scorpion? No. Of course not. Even you who are bad know how to give good things to your children. So surely your heavenly father knows how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. It's because he's a good, good father. That's who he is. And I'm taking God at his word that if I pursue a relationship with his spirit, I am not going to be denied. Sometimes disappointed, yes. Every relationship in my life disappoints me at one time or another, including mine with God and the Holy Spirit. Because I usually want it my way, in my timing. Sorry. That's not how any relationship works well in my life, including this one. I, won't be dis I may be disappointed, but here I'm not going to be denied. So I'm going to ask you, church, one more time. Will you trust him enough to keep knocking? Will you trust him enough to keep asking and to keep pursuing? Because God, I promise this, on his word, it says, if you ask me, I'll send them to you. Now, I want to end this series. I really am ending it today, with a corny trigger. I want to say it right up front. I get that. But that's usually what those of us who try to communicate often do is to give you some type of a trigger, and usually it winds up being corny, kind of like those jingles I mentioned a few moments ago. I purposely chose a glass of water to be filled because most likely, Every single one of us this year is going to go either to a faucet or to some place where there is water, and we're going to start pouring some in. And I don't know how often you drink of this, but I am hoping in 2017 that you drink of him more than you ever have in your life. And I'm praying that there's a trigger the next time you take a glass like this and begin to fill it with some water like this, that maybe, just maybe, there's a trigger that goes off in your head and you say, just as I fill this glass, Spirit, will you fill me? Will you say those words with me? Just as I fill this glass, Spirit, will you fill me? One more time. Just as I fill this glass, Spirit, will you fill me to overflowing, to where I can't help but speak of this one who has so loved me and so changed my life. And maybe, just maybe, 
One day you're going to be filling up a glass for maybe some little one, your child or your grandson or maybe your great-granddaughter. And just maybe there will be this trigger because you've been doing this in 2017 saying, just as I fill this glass, spirit, will you fill me? Maybe, just maybe, you'll be able to say in an easier way than ever before, Quentin, just as I fill this glass, did you know that you can be filled with God? You can be filled with his spirit. Now, for some of you in this room, that is the farthest thing from your mind to ever say to a grandchild or to your own child. And I'm asking for you to consider changing that. That you are so wanting to be filled with his spirit that some little simple illustrations like that, when you go to get a glass of water this afternoon or tomorrow morning after you've brushed your teeth, or when you come in from the football game and you're just dying of thirst and you start to fill up another glass, there's a trigger that says, just as you fill this glass, would you, oh God, fill me with your spirit? Church, what could we be if we did that? Who could we be if we did that? The church of Jesus Christ. Help me out here, guys. Come fill my cup, let it overflow. Come fill my cup, let it overflow. Come fill my cup, let it overflow. Let it overflow with love. How many of you don't know that song? Don't know it. That many. It's easy. Okay, the guys are going to do it, and then the girls are going to echo. Those of you ladies who know it, help us out, all right? Come fill my cup and let it overflow. Come fill my cup and let it overflow. Come fill my cup and let it overflow. Let it overflow with love. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Come fill my cup and let it overflow. Come fill my cup and let it overflow. Come fill my cup and let it overflow. Let it overflow with love. Now for those of you who need a jingle, there's your jingle. For those of you who just need a prayer, there's your prayer. But I pray that there's something that triggers the desire to be filled with the Spirit in your life. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for your word that is the best trigger of all. We're asking today, would you please help us be not just an individual, but a church filled with your Spirit. Help us, Father, to be able to leave here today so filled that we can't help but spill over into people's lives, not just by accident, but with our words. Yes, we want to walk like Christ, but we want to learn to talk for Christ. And we know that we've got lots of work to do to get there. That's just not something we do much anymore. So please, God, over the next couple of weeks and months, would you help the Kerrville Church of Christ be one of those groups of people who learn not just to walk like Christ, but to talk for Christ. Would you help us with that? And if you brought someone here today who needed to hear about Jesus forgiving them and about moving in and to help, operate, help them operate and move and do in their life, and they want in on that today, would you help them like Daisy have the courage to walk up here and start? 
to be immersed in your son's name, to be raised to walk in a newness of life. And if you brought a brother or sister here who's just worn out with trying to do this themselves, and they're ready to let your spirit be the one who leads and directs their lives, and they know they just haven't, would you help them find a shepherd or me and help them leave here today fuller than they ever walked in? In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, let's stand and praise him. If we can minister to you in any way, please come right now.